Welcome to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you are ready to find your inner magic, develop great habits, and a rock steady mindset to feel confident, comfortable, and fit in your body, you are in the right place. I am Kim Barnes Jefferson, and I'll be giving you weekly doses of health, fitness, and life tips sprinkled with humor and real talk. If you're ready to be consistent without the stress of perfection, magic makers, it's time to slip into your favorite pair of PJs, grab some coffee, kick back, and listen to today's show. Hey, Magic Makers. Today I am bringing you a episode about Alzheimer's. It is something I've wanted to talk about since the inception of this podcast. And I really wanted to talk about it because the numbers are staggering. You know, I, I don't know if you've been affected by Alzheimer's or know of anyone who with Alzheimer's, but one in three seniors have some form of a memory problem. Over 6 million people have some form of a memory problem. And one in five of them, one in five women have a significant chance of developing some type of memory uh, disorder. And I brought on today's uh, guest, Barbie Barbie Bowles, and she is absolutely fabulous. I started following her on Instagram and I've just loved everything she puts out there. It's very sustainable. It's very practical. Um, You know, she's been in, she's a registered dietitian and, you know, she found just like I did, there isn't a lot of research out there around women, especially women in 40, women dealing with perimenopause. And there's a lot of things that she has uncovered through her, you know, own dive into this area. You know, we talk a lot about what are the risk factors for uh, Alzheimer's and other like metabolic uh, challenges that might lead to Alzheimer's. And if we were only just able to take, start taking care of ourselves like right now and a lot of the the tools that we talked about are very simple. You know, it's nothing that is, it's it's probably stuff you're already doing or stuff that you've already heard that you should be um, doing. We talked about, you know, is it a hereditary disease? What are the the gene factors that are the cause of Alzheimer's? So much. I don't, I'm giving away too much. It was just such a great conversation. And as always, you know, if there's anything in that conversation that you have a question about, feel free to reach out to her or myself, just screenshot it and, you know, make sure you tag us and let us know what the question that you have is. Um, Enjoy the show. And I do have an ask and I don't really typically ask this. So as I talked about, many of us have been affected by Alzheimer's in our inner circles, um, family members, and I've had several people in my life who have been affected by Alzheimer's. And I have a very good friend who every June, he has a huge fundraiser for Alzheimer's. And I'm asking that if you feel called to to donate to Alzheimer's, it goes, all the money goes directly to Alzheimer's. Um, And it's every year that I go to this fundraiser, they have they bring up at least four, three or four families talking about the various stages of Alzheimer's, talking about just the impact about just 
not the family member not remembering them anymore. Family members just this the support that is needed to keep the the patient home as long as they possibly can. Um, so if you feel moved or called to donate to Alzheimer's, in the show notes, there is a link to his fundraiser. And he's got an aggressive goal. He's trying to raise $2 million and every little bit counts, even if it's $5. So I don't really put out an ask like this, but I just feel like Alzheimer's is my like number one thing that all of my charitable donations, that's what it goes to. And so if you feel called, please, any amount will help. Thanks and enjoy the show. This week's iTunes review is brought to you by ML Martel. She writes, five stars. Kim is more than just knowledgeable in just health and fitness. She is supportive, reassuring, and on the level. She gives it to you straight just the way most people need it. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate that review. And you too can review Fit Girl Magic Podcast. Just go to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to this show and just leave me a five-star review. Um, I love them. I take them to heart. I just want to make sure that I'm bringing you the best stuff So thank you so much for all of you who have left me a review so far. I can't wait to highlight you. Okay, Magic Makers, I hope you're in for a good one. This has been a topic on my topic board for quite some time. And it's shocking the numbers of people who are going to be affected with Alzheimer's over the next several decades. And of course, I need to find an expert. So I found Barbie Bowles, and she is just absolutely fabulous. You're going to follow her on Instagram and your mind is just going to be blown. She's all about metabolic health, cognitive health for women over 40. And like some of the stuff she has like uncovered, I'm like, I'm a fangirl. And I'm going to do my best (laughs) not to fangirl throughout this entire uh, interview. So welcome to the show, Barbie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Ladies over 40, are you ready to crush your health and fitness goals this summer? Are you tired of questioning whether you are doing enough, even when the scale isn't moving? Do you long for simplicity in your health and fitness routines? Are you struggling to create structure and consistency around your workouts and your nutrition? Well, you are not alone. So many women over 40 face these challenges, especially with life's busy schedules. But fear not, I have the perfect solution for you. Introducing Operation Consistency. It is the 66-day challenge I've designed to help you change your approach to health and fitness. Say goodbye to the doubts and worries about staying on track. Operation Consistency has your back. But that's not all. I have developed these comprehensive guides, checklists, along with weekly emails that are really going to help you stay on track and make serious progress. We all know the importance of developing lifelong habits, but I will provide you with the tools that will help you to succeed. And if you're looking for that extra push this summer, Operation Consistency has you covered. 
It provides you with encouragement, accountability, and customized resources tailored to your needs. So with my support, you will have the confidence to overcome any obstacle to reach your health goals this summer and beyond. Operation Consistency makes it easy to live a healthy life as well as convenient. I've designed it to be so seamless that it will already fit into your busy lifestyle. So say goodbye to those rigid diets and meal plans and the endless list of wishes, coulds, and should'ves. It's time to embrace sustainability. How do you integrate health and fitness effortlessly into your life? So if this is what you've been waiting for, Join Operation Consistency. We start on Monday, June 26th. So don't let anything hold you back. Check the show notes for the link today. Yeah, I, this is a topic because um, every year uh, around this year, uh, is this Alzheimer's month? I think it's Alzheimer's month. This is Alzheimer's and brain health month. And then and then November is also Alzheimer's So every, every year on the uh, summer solstice, um, a good friend of ours, he lost his wife to, uh, early onset Alzheimer's. He has this huge mm-hmm. fundraiser. And every mm-hmm. year the woman gets up and tells the statistics. And every year I'm just like, wow. Like just that it's like one in 10 people are going to be impacted either themselves or just someone in their uh, inner circle. And then right. the people get up and they tell the stories. And you, like, there's not a dry eye in the house. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know it. And it's actually one in nine that will, if you live to age 65, one in nine over age 65 will develop dementia of of some kind. And then two thirds of those, 70% of that is Alzheimer's and two thirds of those are women. So it's a tremendous number. And that number is expected to triple in the next 25 years. Yeah. And it just like that, that whole thing just blows my mind, right? Mm Because you think about like, most people think about when you age, heart attack, cancer, you know, those are the things that come to your your mind. And Mm -hmm. I think that's because like, as we grew up, that's, or just old age, right? You know, your body's Mm -hmm. like, hey, you've had a good life. And, you know, it wasn't until probably in the last 20 years that you started to hear more and more people are either diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but it was mostly like your grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. Or they were senile, right? And you just kind of like chalked it off as like, hey, they're in their 80s now. Like, yeah, they had to think too much. And now, exactly. it, now it seems that like more people, and I don't know if it's because we have better testing. I don't know if it's just because it's become some more um, in our vocabulary that mm-hmm. more and more people are being diagnosed with it. Yeah, I, I definitely, I don't know how much um, the, the prevalence has increased, say, from when we were children. I, I think it's more that we're talking, there's more awareness yeah. about it, and um, it is being identified more. Um, and certainly early onset is different from late onset. Yeah, uh, Early onset is typically, I mean, we can get into the genetics of it if you want to, but um, that is more rare early onset. Typically it's beyond age 65. That's usually what we're talking about when we're talking about Alzheimer's, although it certainly can occur, you know, much younger. But the, the point that's really important about neurodegenerative disease of any kind and heart disease is that the pathogenesis begins decades yeah. before 
we have signs and symptoms. So it's never too early. It's never too late. I don't want people to feel like, oh, well, the damage is done. Never mind. <laughs> but right. it's never too early and encouraging our children to take really good care of themselves. It just is never too early. We don't typically think about these diseases until we have symptoms. For and sure. then by then, you know, within the case of Alzheimer's, by then, you know, it really kind of is at, the, at this point in time, too late in the sense that we can't reverse it. We right. can maybe slow decline, right. um, We, but uh, we can't um, do anything to reverse it right now. Hopefully that will change in the future. So, so let's back up. So what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Or are they, you know, pretty much synergistically the same? Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. Gotcha. There are several other types of dementia. It is the most common. Gotcha. Um, 70% of dementia cases are uh, Alzheimer's disease. There's also Lewy body. There's um, vascular dementia, although they overlap. So right. there isn't as much of a distinction between all of the different types of dementia as there once was. Uh, Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. Gotcha. No, because it's like, I feel like, you know, um, some people like, for example, my mother-in-law has dementia. Mm-hmm. And if you say Alzheimer's, they're like, no, she has dementia. And I'm like, I'm like, tomato, tomato. Right. So um, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the, but the way Alzheimer's is like, we can do um, lumbar punctures mm. to, you know, um, read the amount of amyloid plaque and tau in, in someone's um, cerebral uh, spinal fluid. Most people don't want to do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so the way it is typically diagnosed, although blood blood tests are becoming, um, are, are up and coming for it. But the way it's typically diagnosed is an MRI mm. and then also neuro um neuropsychological testing. So putting those two, uh, the results of those two tests together, a neurologist can look at it and say, okay, this is very likely Alzheimer's type. Gotcha. Is it a hundred percent accurate? Usually no, unless there's further testing like a PET scan. But you know, what most neurologists will say is I'm looking at your MRI. I'm looking at your neuropsych testing. I'm going to say this is Alzheimer's. If you want to do the further, more invasive, you know, more radiation with a PET scan. Okay. But we I don't really feel like we need to do that because we would treat it the same way. So that would be sort of why someone might say it's not Alzheimer's, but do we really know? Do you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, I liked what you said that it is something that nowadays it's kind of, you know, nowadays it's a little bit like cancer. Like if we catch it a little bit early, there are things we can do to, like you said, slow things down. And mm-hmm. I hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things I want, wanted to bring up is that um, on um uh, Barbie's Instagram, and I will uh, put that into the show notes. She has this graphic that shows you, you know, like it's the midlife woman. And then she shows you kind of three paths that we can take to potentially um, end up in the, um, end up with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And um, as I'm, as we're going through, I just kind of want to, um, walk people through that graphics. I, that was like very eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause I think most people think that 
you, you either get it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, it, sure. I mean, is it, is it as is it as simple as that? You know, other than outside of lifestyle factors, is it mostly a hereditary thing? Uh, no, it's not. Um, ah, uh, there are three genes that uh, I'm going to keep this super high level so it's not boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are three genes that are what's called deterministic for Alzheimer's, meaning you are almost certain to get mm. Alzheimer's disease if you have one of these three genes. Oh, wow. But that, is, that um, will cause early Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. You would know if you right. have that genetic predisposition because you would see it in your family. It's very hereditary. You would see mom, dad, uncles, cousins, sisters, brothers. You would know. Right. And there is um, a gene called APOE, which has three different alleles, two, three, and four. If you have one or two copies of APOE4, you have an increased genetic risk for Alzheimer's. However, it does not mean you will absolutely end up with Alzheimer's disease. It's just increased risk. One copy is, um, I believe, two to three times risk. Two copies is eight to 12 times risk. But again, that doesn't mean for sure that you will end up with it. And if you do have, let's say, two copies, worst possible case scenario, um, there are still lifestyle interventions and nutrition inter- interventions that you can implement that will reduce your risk. In addition to that, and this is sort of off the top topic, but sort of on, there are people whose brains appear like on imaging appear to have all the beta amyloid plaque, have all the tau tangles, mm. really diseased looking and atrophy, diseased looking brains, but people are behaving and, and living life completely normally. Interesting. So, you know, that's not common, but it happens. Right. Uh, so, and that is some experts attribute that to something called cognitive reserve, hmm. meaning that your brain is, um, very adept at finding ways around gotcha. the diseased pieces, which many believe comes from things like exercise, getting really good sleep, proper nutrition, social connection, um, using your brain, you know, on gotcha. right. So it's possible that you can in fact have the pathology and yet your brain finds a way around it. So it's, there are also, if you look at my, because you brought it up, I'll mention my Instagram on the top, right. I believe it is. There's a pinned post that will, that shows you, and it's not even a complete list, all of the potential risk factors. The bottom line is we're all at risk. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's kind of like we're all at risk of cancer too. So it's just a a matter of the path we choose. But I, I I like that because um, when you were talking about the brain, because First of all, like we still don't know half <laughs> the things about our brain. I don't even think a quarter. Yeah. But it's like, you know, as you were describing it, it's kind of like um, traffic, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us are really savvy at like doing all the back road things mm-hmm. to get to the same place mm-hmm. where other people are like, nope, got to take. This is, this is the path. Right. And if there's a roadblock, I'm just going to sit here all day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think that, you know, it it all, you know, is it it boils down to your resilience. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the things um, that I was reading uh, during my reading was that it comes down to resilience for Mm -hmm. everything that we do in our life. And it's being able to be that adaptable. 
mm-hmm. in your life. You know, we're going to talk lifestyle matters and all that, but just the adaptability that like, do you believe that this is just how your life is or are you willing to be a little savvy? Yeah, 100%. I say it all the time. There are two things that a lot of people don't realize or think about um, that are really indicative of your longevity. Uh, The personal quality is resilience, your ability to bounce in a situation uh, and recover. It's not, that's not to say that you ignore things or don't deal with them, but um, your ability to deal with a situation and bounce back from it. So resiliency is the number one quality. And the number one behavior is social connection. So even even beyond nutrition, sleep, exercise, managing your stress, all of which are incredibly important. Those are the two things. If you've got those nailed, your, your odds of, of doing really well are, are pretty guaranteed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing how, um, I feel like in the last, like ever since, um, the end of COVID, there's been a lot more talk about the sociability and mm-hmm. that we need yeah. we need people we need that like yeah a real spotlight got put on that right yeah because you you know I guess you didn't realize how either social you were or not mm-hmm. social you were until or how much you needed it yeah right? yeah and, until you were told stay your ass home like and then all of a sudden you're like <laughs> do I stay home a lot or am I you know here, I know. There, everywhere mm-hmm. so it's been it, that it's interesting how like it's taken that to build a spotlight on how much we all need interaction mm-hmm. with other people. And, yeah. you know, some of us can be, I just only need an hour and I'm good. And some right. of us need multiple hours of um, interaction. Now, yeah. you know, you are an RD. How did you say, you know what, I want to like get down and dirty into this brain stuff. Like what was it, what led you down this path? Yeah, so I, I've I've been a dietitian for more than twenty years. Um, I think almost twenty five, and I, I've always been very interested in women's health. Um, you know, I, when I was getting my education, it was very obvious to me that there was no distinction between men and women. And I have interns from Loyola, Loyola University Chicago several times a year, and so I'm kind of kept up to date on what they're learning. And there still really isn't, but mm-hmm. with the exception of say pregnancy and lactation, yes. there really is not much of a difference. And that always kind of bothered me because I think it's just obvious that we're different. Right. So I always wanted to do whatever I can could to explore that difference, and so that's why I mostly focus on women. As I got older, so over forty and now over fifty, it it really kind of put me in a place where I was recognizing perimenopause and menopause as this really distinct um, time in our lives, a real opportunity to affect change for the next several decades. And the one thing that just comes up over and over for most women is um, an increased risk of poor metabolic health. So blood pressure, blood sugar, blood lipids, um, body composition changes. Mm. And then I began to realize how much that impacts the brain. So the brain really rests on your metabolic health. So that that graphic, that changes in midlife, and that can ultimately really impact our brain in a way that it may, it may not as significantly impact men. So that was kind of my trajectory into, you know, it was first, it was sort of perimenopause, what's happening? Oh, these metabolic changes. And what does that really mean? 
it, you know, besides type two diabetes and heart disease, oh, it really means an increased risk of dementia. Then um, in addition to that, my mother has Alzheimer's. So gotcha. it all just kind of came together to really make sure I was talking. I've always been interested, but I, I wanted to really make sure, because I have to tell you, I say this all the time. If I didn't do this for a living, I would not know. No, and this is not discussed, right? No, and it's funny because it's like, I feel like, you know, when I first was going through menopause, I had no idea like what was going on. Cause like mm-hmm. it was taboo. You didn't talk about right, it. Right. Right. And now I feel like menopause is having this moment and it should. And so many people just like you were like, what? That, that is it too. And you were just like, yep. Yep. And you're like, it's 10 years. Most people were like, ah, it's a year without your period. Right. No, <laughs> no, there, no, a lot going on. <laughs> right. And so like, as you, like you, I'm like, I'm like unpacking and uncovering. And then um, as far as like, when I saw that graphic, it was just like, just such a moment because there's little things that like contribute to everything. It was kind of like, you know, the knee bones connected to the hip bone kind of thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I feel like menopause is having this thing. And now I feel like because we are making so many links mm-hmm. that memory stuff might be starting to have a moment as well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And I think it is, I mean, more and more, and maybe it's just because of the space that I'm in, but I, I, you know, more and more, I am seeing um, more recent, more funding going to research uh, targeting menopause and what happens and the metabolic piece and the brain health piece. And so hopefully, you know, in 10 years, hopefully by the time, you know, we are our mother's age ages, you know, there will be a lot more that can be done. And certainly for yeah. our children, that's my hope. Well, the interesting thing that I was reading was that, so this, let's call it the first wave, the first wave of uh, memory um, challenges. They were, they weren't the working women. Mm-hmm. Now the next wave coming up are our parents who worked us out of the home, hired chance of having a college degree. So it's kind of like, what is it going to be a later shift for them? It, you mm-hmm. know, what are going to be the the changes that we see from that first, you know, baby, uh, the baby boomer generation to this generation? Right. Yeah. I mean, certainly each, each generation has different and interesting challenges that clearly affect their, their um, midlife and beyond. Yeah. I, I mean, again, kind of off the topic, but on, I, I don't know whether to be, concerned or happy about what goes on with the younger, like my children's generation with all that, like, I mean, you know, just second sound bites is all they can pay attention to. And it's like, and they don't want to read books, even like really great students have no interest in really challenging. They just want the, this, and it's like, Oh, geez, what is that going to look like when you're seven? Are you, are you not gonna be able to sit down and read a research paper? I know. So, I mean, again, kind of off topic, but I, you're just speaking to kind of generational differences and that, that worries me a little bit. They're not because one of the domains of keeping your brain healthy is challenge. Well, or also just, you know, comprehension, right. Just being able to sit down and read a book. Not everything done for you. Right. Like what happened on page one to page a hundred, like, Can you regurgitate the story? Right. Right. And I don't know if they're good at that. No, it's funny because my uh, good friend of mine, her daughter was, she's nine. She really wanted to watch the Harry Potter movie. And my friend was like, you got to read the book. 
good for her. <laughs> and her daughter's like, what do you mean? And she's like, it started out as a book. I want you to be able to read the book so mm-hmm. that when you go into the movie, you can kind of start to look for things from the book. Right. Yeah. And it was like, she said, you have to go outside and dig a hole and build a pool. <laughs> like, it just was like torture for her to read a book she was interested in. Not right. like she came up with the idea. The daughter came up with the idea. And so it's, yeah, it's really. I know, I know. I mean, and I, I, I applaud that mom because I think that's genius. Um, but yeah, no, they really, they're really uh, bristle at the idea of like working their brains sometimes. Obviously, this is a generalization. I'm not trying to crap on the younger generation. I, you know, I no, have. I'm sure, hey, but I'm, of- I'm just saying it's a concern of mine. Knowing no. what I know about what keeps your brain healthy, it's a concern. It is a con- it is a concern because it's like you need that like that, that plug in right. You need that yeah. plug in to be you know part of it versus three seconds. Is that going to give you enough? Right, right. <laughs> like a, a sixty second TikTok isn't going to give you enough. Oh my god, are they even that long? I don't- <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Oh. So the so the the graphic that you have, and again, I'm yeah. gonna put, I'm gonna put this in the um, show notes for those of you who are listening. Mm-hmm. So as I describe it, she has three different paths of what could potentially lead into Alzheimer's. And so the first one, which this is the one that really started me, was the decrease in estrogen. Mm-hmm. You know, because all of us, we you know, most people know, like, okay, I'm going through menopause. Estrogen progesterone is getting a little buck wild, mm-hmm. but we never realize, or at least I know I never realized all of the things that estrogen does in my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that how much impact estrogen has on my brain. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like, hey, it's time to have a baby. Estrogen. like Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, no, estrogen is in addition to impacting our metabolic health, you know, the way we um, metabolize lipids, uh, uh, glucose, all of it changes. Um, And of course, fat starts to get redistributed to the abdominal area, which can increase visceral fat, which is metabolically dangerous. All of that impacts our brain health indirectly. But then there's also a very direct effect on our brains. Um, because there are so many estrogen receptors. Yeah. So if that's not firing, we're just sort of dim. Yeah. That is um, the brain fog, the the memory issues, the walking into a room and having no idea why you're there and, and all of that. Fortunately, with, you know, it's, a little uh, different research, different results, but maybe two years post menopause. So the day you hit your 12 month mark, um, it starts to sort of correct, like your body. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, adapts yeah. to, to, to that change. And then of course, um, HRT may help the, it's sort of inconclusive. It, it seems like it's, you know, potentially really beneficial, but maybe not for every woman. I, there's a lot still going on yeah. there. In- terms of making a recommendation specifically for dementia prevention or cognitive health. Um, but yeah, I mean, your brain, I mean, it lights up with estrogen and if that estrogen isn't there, it's, it's, um, it's not going to perform the way that it used to. Yeah. And so, you know, that was, you know, that was one of the eye openers and I know I've gone down a great rabbit hole of just all the (laughs) things estrogen and, you know, I was talking with a client last week and, she was talking about how, you know, her doctor was talking about her cholesterol levels and her lipids. And I was like, it's menopause. 
I said, mm-hmm. what do you mean? And they said, you're going to have high fat and you're going to have high cholesterol. So you're out of menopause. And she's like, well, what do I eat? I was like, it's natural. <laughs> like there's like, it's not because you're eating too many eggs or beef. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm like, until you, you know, everything evens itself out. Like it's got to run its course. And she's like, why did my doctor tell me this? I'm like, most doctors don't know. Yeah, no, they don't. And it's surprising that they don't. Or yes. if they do, they're not talking about it. I don't know. But I mean, you know, I so many of my clients, I mean, this is this is largely why women come to me is the increase in abdominal fat, the like recently diagnosed high blood pressure, elevated cholesterol, um, triglycerides or HbA1c. It's just kind of new. Mm. And they've always been healthy. That's my typical client. Obviously there are people who are dealing with that stuff from like 20 and beyond, but right. my typical client is someone for whom this is recent yeah. and it has to do with the, the perimenopausal transition. And so, you know, we, we just target it with nutrition and lifestyle um, the way that we can and obviously working with their doctor if medication is is necessary. Um, but yeah, it's not, uh, I, I mean, this is what I mean about if I didn't do this for a living, I wouldn't know. And right. I, I I regularly go to the doctor and I, but the, these things are not, not discussed. Like this is something to expect. We want to treat it. We want to manage it. This is how you do it. And, you know, because we don't want to ignore these things. Right. Even though it is a, it is um, a normal occurrence, um, or I should say natural occurrence. I don't yeah. know that we want to normalize it in the sense that we say, oh, well, it's it's menopause. I'm not going to worry about it. We do want to pay attention if our HDL is elevated. That's direct, directly causative of atherosclerosis. We do want to pay attention if our, if our blood pressure is elevated. That's a really significant risk factor for dementia. So, and uh, I mean, type two diabetes, that is also a very strong risk factor. So we want to pay attention to these things, but I think as women enter perimenopause, certainly when they're in the thick of it, maybe 45, 48, really start getting on top of these numbers, know what they mean. We have a right. responsibility to, you know, in the doctor's office to know what do these metrics of my metabolic health actually mean? So that if something is prescribed, we're empowered to say, is this appropriate? You know, what do I really need? Right. Maybe get a second opinion. This is a really important transitional time in our lives. And, and, uh, I think we, we need to take ownership of it and, yeah. and feel empowered so that we can, um, be 60, 70, 80, 90, and still, you know, killing it. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause when she said, well, what I do, and I said, honestly, I'm like, I would take a look at your labs for the last year and, yeah. and, and, and let's just see, like, is it ridiculous or is it just elevated? Because I'm like, then it, if it's just elevated, then we're gonna you keep your you we're gonna keep your eye on it and you know talk to your doctor about your concerns. But like, right. hey, it's elevated and ask when you should panic or right. can we get a, <laughs> can we get a retest in six months just to see if it's you know if it's staying the same? It's elevated, but it's not getting too crazy. Yes, and you know I think the other message that needs to be sent because I, I so many women come to me like almost in tears, feeling right. bad. Right. I thought I was doing everything right. What is going on? What do I do now? Do I have to, I mean, like starve myself and start exercising constantly? No, it's not your fault. This is biology and right. it's very natural for it to happen, but we do want to pay attention to it. So now it's just, you have new needs in mm. perimenopause and menopause. And it's just a matter of embracing that and identifying what your unique needs are. 
you know, and it's funny that you say that because I feel like so many women, we kind of, we get caught in that, that diet rut, right? Let's say I've been dieting the same way for X number of years. I'm just going to pull it right off the shelf and go back to page 10 and rinse and repeat. And then you're like, I still have this, like (laughs) nothing changed here. And you're like, okay, here's the other diet book. I'm going to pull that one off the shelf and rinse and repeat. And, you know, for so many of us, we haven't learned that it's time to like get a new, like erase everything that we ever thought about dieting and start a new. Absolutely. You have different needs now. First of all, did that stuff ever work to begin with? It worked for five minutes. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, if it's not that, you know, it's so funny because I, it just brings me to, I'm not laughing at my clients. I'm laughing with them when they come to me and they say, you know, I used to do X, Y, Z diet, you know, just any, think of any branded diet you can possibly. Right. And it really worked. And, but, you know, then I, you know, I gained back all the weight or whatever. I'm like, then it didn't work. Yeah. You know, it, it was effective for weight loss. It wasn't an effective strategy for you for the rest of your life. That's the definition of working. So we should never feel like we failed. It, it just wasn't the right option for us. And now we even have new needs that we need to examine and get familiar with. Um, and dieting per se is, is rarely a part of what's really effective. Like it's, it's more about including foods that are going to be really beneficial for your metabolic health and your brain, as opposed to all of this restriction that, you know, most of us were obsessed with growing up. Well, you know, I always say people, you know, women in there, like, you know, late thirties and forward, we were the poster child for diet culture. We were the, on the bleeding edge of you know, every other week, there was some new diet, some celebrity in a magazine right. saying all the I eat three grapes in a week, then and that's how I get my physique. Um, <laughs> right. And now it's fasting and bone broth. I mean, it's never gonna end. No, you know? it's, it's never it, it is never gonna it is never gonna end. And so I really like that, you know, so when we go if I going back to the graphics, so the first part was yeah. estrogen, and then the second part was belly fat. And again, that's, you know, another natural cause from mm-hmm. our hormones getting wonky. Mm-hmm. But the the other big thing that I, I'm seeing over all over is this word insulin resistance, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's on a um, commercial, an infomercial that like pops on like every five minutes. And it's like, you have insulin resistance. And I don't think many people like understand that they eat their way into it. That it's mm-hmm. not a like one day you, your pancreas is like, I'm done. Like, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and that was, that's why, and just hopefully this is just a sort of helpful piece of information. In addition to, because most of us, when we go to the doctor every year, we get blood work done. And we, we, I mean, it's very standard to get at least fasting glucose, right? That number that just tells us exactly what our blood sugar was doing from at the moment that they put the needle in our arm. Then there's HbA1c, which is a three month average of what our blood sugar has been doing. So we wanna be sure we get that too, so that we know over the last three months, what have we been averaging? But in addition to that, fasting insulin, because your insulin can be high before your blood sugar or HbA1c Uh. 
look different or out of normal range. Because if your insulin is working overtime to try to keep the glucose in control, you might not see a change in your glucose for some time. But if you have elevated insulin, that is an in indication that you are insulin resistant, resistant or headed that way. In addition, high triglycerides are another marker that your body is starting to struggle. So, you know, paying attention to triglycerides and adding fasting insulin can give you early indication of, is my body starting to have a hard time handling the food that I'm giving it? And so through, um, through insulin resistance, mm -hmm. is it that there's too much sugar that's potentially going to my brain causing plaque? Is that one of the reasons why it leads to Alzheimer's? Like, or mm, they still no, haven't been able to... Right. It's honestly way more complicated um, and not even completely understood. It's it's definitely known there is a strong link between mm. insulin resistance and e even if it never progresses right. to type 2 diabetes, there's a very strong link between insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, prediabetes, and Alzheimer's disease or neurodegenerative disease. The exact pathway is not totally understood. Um, it is demonstrated that in, in Alzheimer's brains, there is a, a, a dysregulation in glucose um, uh, efficiency. Mm. So the brain, and, you know, glucose is the brain's number one source of energy and right. the brain is just not using it properly. Why that is, is not completely understood. Some people think it's partly um, the breakdown of the blood brain barrier, which is the, you know, kind of the uh. encasement that surrounds our brain that keeps bad things out and, and, and lets in the things that are needed. Um, in Alzheimer's, the blood brain barrier, which is highly vascular breaks down. And so things are getting in and things are, you know, getting out that aren't supposed to. So that's part of it, but it's, it's not a hundred percent understood. It's just very clear that there is a link. Gotcha. 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 And then the last one, and this is one that, you know, I will, keep talking to my clients about until I can't talk anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, I've had several shows about stress and so many people discount it. This oh is, yeah. This is just how my life is. I'm not really stressed. And when you start asking questions, like the stress, you know, the stress barometer balloons start popping out of the box. Right. It's every, I mean, there are some people for whom it's their normal. Yeah. I lived that way for many years. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many women who are constantly living in survival mode. Oh God. So, yeah. So that they don't really even realize it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially if you've had, you know, again, not to get too off topic, but especially if you've had a, a traumatic childhood, it, it can always feel normal to you. Um, or if you are a single parent with two jobs, it's just what you do. It's just what you have to do. It's how you have to function. Never mind. It's fine. Right. We really want to do everything we can to pay attention to our stress level because emotional and mental stress manifest physically 100% of the time. Yeah. It will. It, I mean, it's chemical. It's a chemical reaction. There's no separate. It, one of the reasons that, um, one of the things that's unfortunate, I have nothing but respect for Western medicine. It saves lives literally every minute of every day. But but there was an unfortunate transition in Western medicine that really um, disassociated the, the, the mind from the body. And that's unfortunate because we stopped um, appreciating 
how the mind and body in, in, interact with one another. And, and so we don't understand the impact of stress. I think we lost decades yeah. of healing and understanding how stress interacts with the body because we, we just ignore it. Oh, that's just, those are just your thoughts. They don't matter. They right. matter a lot. And stress, it has been shown, and probably due to cortisol, but probably other more complicated reactions, stress actually atrophies the brain. It actually Ooh. shrinks brain tissue. So um, particularly in the hippocampus. And if you think about it, anybody who has ever been, um, has an, uh, you know, anxiety issues, or even just goes through a period of life where, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. If you think of it, you can't remember what you did five minutes ago yeah. when you're experiencing a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that's just a real indication. And that's acute. That's just in one experience of anxiety. Imagine if you are an anxious person all of the time, that oh, is God. really impacting your brain. Yeah. So it's definitely something we want to, we want to gain skills. Everybody has stress. There isn't a lot we can do about it. Um, we want to gain the skills to deal with it appropriately. Yeah. And, you know, and the other part, you know, I feel like sleep and stress go hand in hand because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, if I'm laying there and like the thoughts are just like coming and coming and coming, it's really challenging to get through sleep. And if I'm in my perimenopause and my hormones are not exactly, it's just like the perfect That's storm. Nice. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the perfect storm. And I feel like for many people, and I know when you're like, you know, stop being stressed and just go to sleep, everyone's just like, girl, if it was just that easy. <laughs> Right. Give me some of that. How right. do you and I'm like, I'm, I'm a recovering stress boss. So I totally get it. And I remember I went to my doctor and she stayed my doctor for a really long time because she was very um, uh, holistic. And mm -hmm. I was having headaches. I, my stomach was a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, she's going to give me a prescription. It's all going to go away. Right. Her prescription was read the book. Don't sweat the small stuff and chicken soup for the soul and do <laughs> yoga. I remember driving home. I was so pissed. I was just like, the hell? She's right, though. <laughs> but I mean, it was the, like, you know, back then I was yeah. like, what? Oh, like, no, 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 no. I mean, no, but now I'm like, that was so, that was like 20 years ago. That was just so, like, so forward thinking she was very progressive yeah absolutely I, you know um when you are stressed that's the last thing you want to hear you want yes. a, you want a, an in, in instant fix and unfortunately when it comes to stress that's not it doesn't it doesn't work like that right i wanted the magic um, wand <laughs> right exactly it's something we need to like i was saying just gain skills for and yeah. that, i mean that's why i became a meditation teacher because i am the last person on the planet you would expect would be a meditation teacher <laughs> but i just went i'm i'm just the kind of person where it's like i just will go all in and go the extra mile when something is an issue and that's that was my response to me realizing i did not want to take medication anymore i, I and but i needed to do something and yeah. so okay I could meditate or I could become a meditation teacher <laughs> because I needed to force myself to really invest. You know what I mean? Right. Because if you're like, Oh, I just downloaded the app. It's really easy to be like, eh. I would never use it. You're like, okay, I'm going to do something else. Or I'm going to be on any other app, but that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I, you know, as 
as that graphic and again you'll see as you're, you're listening you'll pull up the graphic and it'll just be as blah as it yeah, was it'll make more me. sense when you can see it but yeah. it was just like so like just like three what you think are three individual acts how mm-hmm. it all just coalesced down to the bottom and you know i and i don't i don't think many people outside of like we do but out, like regular people listening I don't think you realize the implications of every little thing we do. No. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you I'm know not what I'm, sorry, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. I, and, I, and for people listening, I'm like, I'm not saying you have to do all the things because my all or nothing people, you'll be like, all right, I, I got my list. No. Right. <laughs> what I'm saying is that like, we have to chip away things, a little things. That, so we, we gave you three things, stress, estrogen, belly fat, mm-hmm. pick a lane, right. <laughs> pick a lane, not all three. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and we don't want to micromanage. I think that Mm. part of the problem with social media and getting health information from social media is that it's very overwhelming and there are a lot of bright, shiny objects and it makes you feel like you need all the things and, you know, what do I choose? And then it just adds to your stress. The truth is the vast majority of people already have all the tools they need. They just need to look a little bit more inward than all out there. Um, you yeah. don't need to spend a lot of money. You don't need to buy the gadgets and do the things and take the courses. I mean, all you need to do is do the best you can with your nutrition, your sleep, your exercise and managing your stress. And you are doing far better than a great many people. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think that's what people get all caught up in is that like, mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I'm going to focus in on sleep. And then, you know, I'm scrolling through something or something pops up on the news and, oh, I should be eating kale. All right. Screw the sleep. It's all about kale now. Right. Or I need an aura ring or I need a sauna blanket or I need a, you know, this $3,000 course to fix my life or it's absurd. Yeah. Right. You know, I I always say, tell people, I'm like, the basics are boring. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, it, it, the basics are boring. Like every single day I have a big ass salad. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's boring. I, I am not tossing the salad in anything special. <laughs> it's just lettuce, cucumbers, chicken, and some, mm-hmm. and some tomatoes. That's it. That's great though. And every once in a while I get crazy. I could put in some beets, but it's like it, the basics work. And once yes. you nail the basics, then we can start talking about the sauna blanket. Then we can start talking about the aura ring. But if you're right. still trying to figure out eating, mm-hmm. let's not get into the sauna blanket and all the other stuff. Let's pick one thing and nail it. A hundred percent. And I say this all the time about supplements. I think supplements have a place, um, particularly, obviously, if you have a deficiency, they're, re- they're necessary. Um, but with the exception of possibly omega threes and vitamin D, because they can be hard to get enough of in the average American diet. I mean, all these crazy supplements and greens powders and all of this, it's like, just hold on, (laughs) pull it back and let's look at what you're actually eating and Mm. what can you do more of with your actual nutrition, as opposed to spending all this money on all these supplements that may or may not have any impact whatsoever. You know, it's so funny. I, I always, I'm that we never talked for those of you guys listening. We didn't have a pre-conversation. She said that. And I was like, Oh my God, I am always like supplements are supplements. 
That's right, it. Right. They do not replace anything. Like if you are eating like shit, I don't care how many supplements you eat, you're eating Absolutely. like shit. So let's yes. start with like something that you could pick off the pick off a tree, dig out of the ground or get out of the sea. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk supplements. Yes, they're not, they're meant to, I mean, supplements, that's the word. I mean, that's the definition of the word. It's a complement. It's meant to fill in gaps. It's not meant to be your main source of nutrition. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. And so we need to pull back and look at what we're actually eating, do the best we can there, and then talk about potentially, potentially layering on, you know, a layer of optimization, to that, but it should not be the foundation of your nutrition. Right. Exactly. So this has been such a great, this has been such a great call. And I've, you know, we've hit on, we've, we've hit on so many topics that I think as, as the, as the listener, I think we've kind of unhinged two things, brain health and metabolic health. And that's Mm -hmm. the two things that, you know, you will definitely follow Barbie because you know, she, what I like about her, she's not a fear monger. She's just like, here's some information I think you should know. And that's how I approach all the health things that I follow on social media. It's like, Hey, here's a study. Here's my take on it. Read it. You know, here's the public mud. Here's the PubMed link. Read it mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like that. Cause it's like, you've gave me the little like Ted talk. And now I'm like, I'm going to go in <laughs> and form my own opinion. Right. I I love that you said that because I think what's really important is, and if you want, I can give you a few accounts that I think would be really great for people to follow when it comes to nutrition, uh, who are extremely evidence-based and really cut to the point. Um, But just just of note, just as kind of like a way to identify a red flag immediately when it comes to these accounts, is that real experts in nutrition don't speak in absolutes. Yes. We, we, we talk about things that are associated with, correlated with, linked to, may cause. It is almost never, this is what you do. This is why you do it. Never eat this, always eat this, because that's just not true. Right. And so that's one way to very quickly identify. And if they're shirtless walking around in a grocery store, like just- Or shoeless. Or shoeless. <laughs> and they look dirty. <laughs> Right, exactly. That that's just an immediate way to identify: Am I getting high quality information? Because these people even reference studies, but they're talking about mechanisms and things that don't translate from a petri dish into the human body. So just be careful there. There is nothing that is certain, and you are a unique person with unique physiology. No two, no one thing is right for any two people. And I know my clients get so mad. I'm like, well, it depends. It depends. (laughs) And I was like, I'm like. I know you don't want to hear that. Like I go, right. but it's like, did you get a good night's sleep last night? You know, are you, do you have your period? Like, you know, give me some, give me some Things background matter. and I can give you a little bit less of a depends, but right. nine times out of 10, it depends. It depends. It's nuanced. No two people are alike. There are no hard answers. And, and so, and until there are, and there probably never will be because nutrition in particular, health in general are notoriously challenging areas of study because there are so many confounding factors. You can't lock people in a building with a controlled atmosphere for 20 years and see what happens when they, you know, there are lots of things that happen when these people, when these studies are done that just mess up the results. So we have 
associations, you know, right. things we think are linked to other things. But um, I mean, not that there isn't great information out there, but just be careful, especially about people who are just like, never eat this. This is toxic, toxic. Anybody yeah. who uses the word toxic, be careful when it comes to food. Right. Other than you shouldn't eat, drink bleach. Yes, that is yeah. definitely <laughs> That's toxic. toxic. Right. That is indeed toxic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, you know, I love people who, you know, are, it depends. And, you know, I get frustrated too, because sometimes you just want the black and white answer. And, and, you know, sometimes you're going down the Google rabbit hole and you're like, I just want the, the I just want a solid answer. And sometimes it's, it's split 50, 50. Yeah. And a lot of the time it's split, split 50, 50. And it's just, you kind of have to go through gut. Like, all right, I'm, I'm going to experiment and see how it works for, for me. You know, we we talked about intermittent fasting and like right now that's the big thing. And I always tell people, I was like, well, I'm like, it depends. I'm like, on how it works for you. Like some people it's very triggering Mm -hmm. and some people they find it like freeing. And I know I did it because I used to eat too much and it was freeing for me to break up with eating too, eating too quickly, Mm -hmm. but I don't do it every day. Mm -hmm. It was just a tool to get me through something. Right. And now I'm through it. Right. Right. Yeah. I do think that if you can take, you know, we're talking about stress reduction and stress being an impactful on the brain. And I think that, I think that we will discover over the next maybe 10, 20 years, just how damaging all oh. of the time that we spend on social media. Oh God. I mean, and I, but I, I do think that if you can take regular breaks, I really do think that is a great benefit. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll discover plenty of, especially as we're talking about the younger generation, they will, you know, I hope I live long enough to be able to see the studies of like when they get to be our age to be like, what's, you know, the impact were, but also the interesting thing about like just all the screen time. Right. Yeah. It's scary. And I, well, it's like when I was a kid, like there was no, there was no screen time word. Like that wasn't right. a thing. Like it wasn't a thing. Cause we had TV if we were lucky. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I remember watching TV and it was never like my mom's like, you can only watch an hour of TV. Like it was right. never like regimented, like how much TV I could watch. And I don't, right. but I also remember, you know, you're like you're on in the summer, your mom's like, get out, get out of the house. Like, right. Don't come home till the streetlights come on. Right. <laughs> Right, I know. Oh, and nowadays, man. if you ever said to your kids, get out and don't come home to the streetlights, they'd be like, what do you do right. outside? Well, and most of us would be uncomfortable with that. Like, do right. we have a GPS? Like, can we see <laughs> I don't. Well, I mean, we were like off the grid. Like, if I, I know. got my house, I we was gone were. until I came home. Yes. You yeah. didn't know where the hell I was. I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy how different it is. It's so different. Like whenever I see like a kid by themselves, I'm like, where's an adult? Where's the Where, parent? Right. Where if you saw it, I, how many places did I go by myself as like I was 10 and just out? Right. I know. I know. It's nuts. It really will be interesting to see how this next generation parents their children. Oh, like God, if there's, yeah. a, there's always a backlash, yeah. right? And they may go back to more like our parents were, which is like, whatever, see ya. Right. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Barbie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with yes. me. And I asked you in the beginning, and I'm going to ask you now that I've pressed the record button. I uh-huh. always ask my guests, what's one thing that makes you feel magical? 
Yes. And so I feel like when my children, I have a 20 year old son and a 15 year old son. And when we are together and laughing together, hundred percent, that makes me feel magical. I love that. That happens frequently. So I'm really happy about that. But you know, if it's a solo thing, the beach. Oh yeah. I'm I'm on the beach. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Toes in the sand. I am happy as a clam. Yeah. And, um, so where can people find you on the socials? Yeah. So I'm only on Instagram okay. uh, and it is at the cognition dietitian and there are underscores between the words. So it's the underscore cognition underscore dietitian. And then also my website, which is barbiebowls.com. And I will link all of this in the show notes. And then you mentioned there's a couple of other accounts that you like to follow. Um, yeah, I will um, email them to you. Perfect. Does that work? That okay. works. I'll, and I'll I will send you a little list of about 10 accounts or eight or 10 accounts that I think are really valuable, particularly for nutrition. They do um, something that I don't have the patience for, which is <laughs> um, kind of, they're, they're all on TikTok too. So they will stitch, you know, with TikToks that are just, yeah. But, and kind of outline why, and they, they're very evidence-based and uh, very, very helpful accounts. So I will, you can put those in the show notes. I'll email them to you as soon as we're done. Perfect. But yeah, I, I, I love those little stitch things where they're like, okay, here's the research and this is what my interpretation of it, go read it and figure it out yourself. And I, I, I love all that stuff. That's like, sometimes you just get this, you read it and sometimes just a little too heady. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. A little. Yeah. Very much so. And then it's, it's difficult to, to interpret a lot. I mean, you know, I'm not a PhD and, and that's what P, all these people are. And that is what getting a PhD teaches you to right. read. And so I'm pretty adept at this point, but there are things I miss sometimes, you know, uh, that, uh, oh, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about, you know, that totally confounding everything I'm reading. And so, you know, or it's only three people or, you know right. what I mean? So there are lots of differences that can be made and, and they, um, they are so good at uh, calling it out. Yeah. And I, and I also love it when they call, like the research, like um, I think it was, I think it was like two or three months ago, there was this big hullabaloo about um, Splenda. And uh-huh. this, this one person was like, it's the devil. And then um, I'm sure on your list is the guy bio lane. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he, I, I love when he has a way of like just smacking you down. <laughs> and- He's sort of the daddy of okay. all of, all of it. And then there are sort of younger PhDs who um, do a very similar thing with their own style. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, lady like come on and he just like went through the research he's like what about this and what about this and what about this and I'm like yes this is like the, what people need because it's like that's going to be on the seven o'clock news mm-hmm. and then and that is yes and that is the frustrating piece because something that you need to remember too as far as the media is concerned I mean we think what's well, the new it's you know the news, it's the news right it as a reliable source um 
And but the, the news media is interested in headlines. They're interested in getting your attention. They don't really care about no. getting called out for inaccuracies when it comes to that kind of thing. So don't get um, you know, if you want to start by, oh, the news said this and this is how they kind of framed it and this is the narrative around it, but I'm gonna look into it a little bit further if it matters to you. You know, if, if you're not a person who uses artificial sweeteners, who cares to ignore it? But if it's something that you use and you are interested in, it's worth exploring on a different level from really reliable sources. Yeah. Because, I mean, the news is like, it, it's seven. We're going to say stevia kills kids. And right. then it's like, like oh, I got to tune in. And like, that's right. all they want. They just want your right. eyeballs. That is all they want. And, and we need to remember that. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time. This was just better than I expected. Oh, I'm um, so glad. Yes, I had so so much fun talking to you. Thank you. Yes, and and I've I've like I always I always take notes whenever I'm so I've like I learned so many little note things. So I'm hope everyone who's listening has taken notes as well. Definitely follow Barbie. Like she just makes it very simple. Like this is very heady, but it's very simple and very like this is do this. <laughs> I get the compliment practical a lot, yes. which I love because I mean, that's what, that's what I want. I don't want to be complicated or, you know, I, I, I want it to be usable immediately. You and know, we've, we've all done complicated and we all know how that worked out for us. Right. right exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you so much. And um, when this is all ready, I will send it all out to you. Yay. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. A great conversation. Perfect. All right, guys, make sure you follow her. And if anything you want, just do us a favor, screenshot this and tag us and ask the question. We love answering any questions that you might have. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you've made it this far, yay. I'm thinking you enjoyed the show. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Kim Jefferson Coach. In order for me to keep sharing this message, do me a favor and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. New episodes are available every Wednesday. The Fit Girl Magic Podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions about your health. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much.